Hey everyone, welcome to Filmmaking Sucks. This week is the second half of our Alex Ferrari interview. We had some issues with the audio, which is one of the reasons we split it into two parts. Also, because the first half we discussed uh, his movie On the Corner of Ego and Desire, and in this portion we discuss his new book, Shooting for the Mob. This picks up directly at the end of the last episode, so if you haven't heard our previous, please go back and listen to it now. We'll wait. In the meantime, I want to let you all know that on Sunday, May 5th, we will be at the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in New Jersey, uh, screening I Waited For You, which is nominated for Best Horror and Best Horror Director. So if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, come on out and join us. We screened there last year, and it was a great time, and uh, yeah, so yeah, come join us. Have some drinks, have some awesome food with us, and uh, yeah. Um, our next episode, uh, just to give you a little teaser, we're going to have another interview with the founder of the Nassau County Film Commission and director of the Long Island International Film Festival, Deborah Markowitz. Uh, it was a really cool and fun conversation we had, which we can't wait to get out to you guys. Uh, we'll also be screening at the Long Island International in July, where I waited for you will be there, uh, along with our newest films, Misunderstood Monster and Matroshka. And as of now, it also sounds like we may be getting a panel of our own at the festival, so that's definitely something to look forward to for us. Uh, so we'd love it if some of you guys would join us. It's a great festival with a lot of networking, lots of film filmmaking, uh, uh, lots of filmmakers, excuse me, and uh, lots of lots of fun, lots of panels, lots of everything. It's it's a week long festival in July, so. We'll have more news on that as we get closer to it. On a final note, before I play the remainder of the interview, our second feature film, Theta States, is finally available for streaming. I know, right? On top of that, it's completely free. Currently, it's available on the Midnight Pulp app, which is a totally free streaming app with a bunch of really cool pulpy and cult films, lots of anime and Japanese classics as well. It's free to download and free to watch films on the app or the website. You don't even need to create an account to watch it, so it really doesn't get much easier than that. Uh, check the show notes for links on how to watch Data States on Midnight Pulp. Uh, it will be coming to Google Play, Pluto TV, uh, Roku TV, and a few other outlets as well, but don't have a, re- a release date on when those are available, when those will be available, but it is definitely available right now on Midnight Pulp. It's taken our distributor almost a year and a half to release it, and trust me when I say that we will be doing an episode soon covering what's going on with them. So, it's been a bit of a struggle, and we're not entirely happy, and we will possibly have some more news on a release of it soon. Uh, we're working on, on, on a better, on another release, a physical release soon. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. <sighs> for now, though, in the meantime, enjoy the second half of our conversation with Alex Ferrari. And once again, I apologize for the audio. I did the best I could to clean it up without losing any of it. It was a really long conversation, and it's taken me a long time to kind of put it all back together. Kind of the reason why we don't like doing phone interviews, and, uh, but we're working on a new system. We're putting it together, and we'll have one in place very soon. So. Thank you for listening. Now, everyone, get out there and make your films. Well, speaking of books, yes. Speaking of books, you have a book. I do. What a great you segue, a sir. You are a professional. <laughs> <laughs> you are a professional. I try. I try. I <laughs> have. I have ventured out uh, as my first time as an author, and I have really. I have written a book 
called Shooting for the Mob. Mm. What wonderful pun. I love the wit. I love it. <laughs> it is called Shooting for the Mob, and I will now read the synopsis, which is short, but it's the only way, it's the best way to tell you what the book is. Okay. A bipolar gangster, a naive young film director, and Batman. What could go wrong? Batman. Batman. And Batman. Alex Ferrari is a first-time <laughs> film director who just got hired to direct a $20 million feature film. The only problem is... The film is about Jimmy, an egomaniacal gangster who wants the film to be about his life in the mob. From the backwater towns of Louisiana to the Hollywood Hills, Alex has taken on a crazy misadventure through the world of the mafia and Hollywood. Huge movie stars, billion-dollar producers, studio heads, and of course a few gangsters populate this unbelievable journey down the rabbit hole of chasing your dream. Would you sell your soul to the devil to make your dream come true? By the way, did we mention that this story is based on true events? No, seriously, it is. <laughs> nice. And if it wasn't, and 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 the fact that I, I mean, I know your voice very well from the podcast, so I'm, I'm listening to you hearing it. If I was to have anybody else read it, it would probably be Jay Peterman for his catalog. That would be a great voice <laughs> to hear him reading. I should have him do the audiobook voice instead. Yes, a bipolar <laughs> gangster. A naive young film director and yeah. <laughs> I love too that he There's your audio Jay- book right there, done. I love the fact that you knew who Jay Peterman was. I have no idea what the actor's real name is. No, he's no. Jay Peterman. That's no, he's it. Jay Peterman. Yeah, and then because he does the head and the thing. Yes. And, oh. Yeah. NPR has a podcast called um Jay Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 it's 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 like they turn the they turn the weekly news into like kind of like a game, game show. show, and he is the announcer of the show. Done, because he's got one you of know, the best so, announcer voices of all time. Yes. Uh, yeah, so he reads the questions and he and and they all play the game. He's the he, it's he's like he's um, the host. It's like Putty. Remember Putty? Remember Putty? Yes. Putty's voice. He was like yeah. he's one of the yeah. greatest yeah. voices. <laughs> I, I I met him at a film festival. He's the sweetest man. So so sweet. But he's got that voice that's so amazing. <laughs> Everybody who's not li- doesn't know who we're talking about, watch Seinfeld. And you'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> For both of, these, both of these characters. Do you know who Putty is? No. She doesn't know who Putty is. She doesn't like Seinfeld. No. This blasphemer. <laughs> blasphemer. Well, that was a great interview, guys. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> um, no, but so the book is, uh, it, it is the, about the worst time of my entire life. It, it was a, a year of my life that I was caught up with this gangster. And we were my production offices were in a racetrack. I can't mm-hmm. make this up. That look, it was a 1950s, 50s style racetrack. Uh, and uh, I met. Uh, not only did I was it, if this the mob story is not good enough. Hollywood actually took him seriously, and I was flown out to L.A. Wow. multiple times. At the, wow. uh, you know, I, you know, having drinks at the Chateau Marmont and at Spago at the Ivy. And I even got to meet Batman. I actually went to Wayne Manor almost, his 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 uh, mansion ranch, and uh-huh. I got to sit down with Batman for um, for a day. And we he was almost about to do the movie. Uh, he was going to play Jimmy the Gangster, and it was just um, it's the this it's the most insane story you've ever heard in your life. And I've look I've studied film for 25 years i've listened to every book i've watched i mean watched it i read every book i could like you know rebel rebel without a crew is one of my favorite you know filmmaking mm-hmm. books oh, yeah. um you know making movies lament all these kind of movies but i've never have heard a story like this or seen a story like this and people would hear that they're like oh it's kind of like get shorty i'm like 
not really, but even regardless, it this happened. Like this is yeah, a true yeah. story. So it was a brutal time in my life, uh, but it was also exhilarating. I mean, I, I mean, imagine being so close to your dream multiple times. I'm sitting at the penthouse of one of the biggest producers in Los Angeles. I said his name. You know who he is. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, like talking, sh- you know, film with him for like two and a half hours. You mm-hmm. know, while I'm looking over the Hollywood landscape <laughs> from oh, his God. penthouse. Which his walls are all made of glass. I was going to say Hollywood on one. You got the Hollywood landscape on one side, his Oscars on the other. I mean, it was like, like you know. So imagine <laughs> seeing being there and then seeing Batman and then going to Spago's or having 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 uh, drinks at uh, the Chateau Marmont when there's celebrities standing all around you. There's even one scene um, in the movie, and I always call it the movie, but it's the book, um, <laughs> a Freudian slip. Um, the He's, you're making a movie, aren't you? Well, you're obviously, there's going to be a movie, movie. this one day. I own the rights. We could talk about that. Um, no, there's a there's a there's a story in the book that I and I, if I t- and I'll tell you who it is after we get off the air because I, I could I should just say I, who it I, is because he's. He's part of the Me Too movement now, but it's okay. Nobody listens to this. <laughs> get him, then get him. Sorry, we what? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so there was there was a moment. Like my pitchfork came out. There was a moment where I'm at this at this restaurant with Jimmy, and we're waiting for a table. And every there's celebrities everywhere. It's like one of these Hollywood hobsnob kind of places. And we're gonna I'm meeting with an Oscar winner that night. So we're sitting at the bar waiting to get. Uh, we're sitting at the bar waiting to get uh, seated. When the biggest director of the day walks in, like the young, hot, he's just made a billion dollars at the box office, dude. When I say his name, you'll know who he is. Mm. Um, But by the way, I changed the names of everybody in the book to protect protect the innocent, especially the guilty. Mm. And so it was very Molly's gay moment when you had to make that decision. (laughs) Sorry, I just watched that movie. So Jimmy Jimmy turns to me and goes, hey, kid, you want to see something funny? He turns to the director as he walks towards us and he yells out his name. Hey, John, what's up? And this director's face turned white. And he started to shake. And he pissed himself a little bit because you could see it coming out of his pants. And he started shaking. And he's like, oh, hi, Jimmy. How you doing? He starts backing up. And he's like, all right, I got to go. I got to go. And he took off, grabbed his supermodel girlfriend and bolted out of there. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then the story of what happened is in the book of like why that situation happened. When we, when we're off air, I'll tell you who the director is and you're going to go, Oh, it's, I mean, it just, I couldn't believe it. And then there's actually stories that I didn't put in the book about like the depth, the depth that Jimmy and this director actually long history, like when he was born kind of stuff. Um, It was brilliant. It's like things like that happened all the time you know you're getting a call from oscar winners you're getting a call from martin scorsese's office you're getting you like and you're 20 i'm 26 i'm 26 so imagine being so close to your dream and getting it yanked away from you again and again oh by the way while you're getting your life threatened every other day (laughs) by us an egomaniacal bipolar maniac so it's kind (laughs) of like going to work with joe pesci from goodfellas so like that's basically the stress that i was under that sounds like a conducive work environment. Definitely. It's a fantastic. It's very creative <laughs> that way. Yeah. But imagine being, um, because if if you remember Joe Pesci from Goodfellas, oh, he's, when he's good, 
he's the coolest freaking guy to hang out yeah. with. He's telling yeah. stories. Ha ha ha. It's like just like the best. But at any life moment, life of the party. Life of the yeah. party. But until, at any moment, until he decides, clown? yeah. Am I a clown? How am I a clown to you? Why do yeah. I make you? Lo- that's 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 how quick it it would go. So I literally would go into work every day not knowing what I was going to get. So imagine that kind of stress. I literally had emotional breakdowns. I had panic attacks. I work with people like that. I still live in New York. I know people like this. I can't imagine if they had money what they'd be like. I mean, so my old bosses was just like that, and his name was also Jimmy. I'm having flashbacks. So I, so I literally, you know, I almost went bankrupt. I was days away from signing my 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 home over. I almost lost my home. My girlfriend left me. My dog stayed. Thank God. Um, But you know, I was in a depression for two years. it took me a long time to get back out of it. It was just the most brutal time in my life. But people ask me, why did you want to write this now? I'm like, well, I felt that it was time for me to get this story out because I hope it helps other people because I really hope that it shows people how not to chase your dream. Mm-hmm. It's an allegory of what not to do when you're chasing your filmmaking dream. It's a cautionary tale of mm-hmm. how far are you willing to go for your dream? How much are you, how much are you willing to lose of yourself you know, how much are you going to compromise your morals to get to this dream? Maybe not even to the dream, maybe just for the mere opportunity to the chance of getting a dream. And, mm-hmm. and how much crap are you going to take? How much abuse are you willing to take for your dream? And is it worth it? And is it the right way to do it? Because I, you know, in LA right now, as we speak, there's probably thousands of assistants getting peed on by their bosses, you yeah. know, in the hope of just taking that ladder up to the next level and maybe it'll work out for them. Maybe it won't. But if it does, is it worth it? Was it worth mm-hmm. it? Why are you doing it? What's the end game? What's the end goal? Or are you willing to go, you should be doing something else. And at the end, also the other big message I wanted to come out of the book is like, if you're in a bad situation, you have a choice to leave it or not. And that goes through every aspect of your life. It's a bad relationship. It's abusive relationship. It's your business. It's business partners. It's your career. You have a choice to leave whenever you want to make that choice. And there's always a choice. It's not maybe not good choices, but there's always a choice. And that's what I wanted to put out there with the book. You know, and it's in a very entertaining fashion, but uh, people people have read it. The people who have read it say that there's moments that they're literally like one I read one review from somebody who read it and they said, I really wanted to jump in and take the young Ferrari out of there <laughs> and save and him. save him. Because oh, there's, no. there's moments that, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I take you through my story and you feel for me as a character, even though it's real. <laughs> and you're yeah. just like, I'm, you know, you're going through hell, but yet you're still kind of living the dream in a way. And it's like, it was this yeah. weird time of my life, but I really hope it does some good. And when I wrote it, a lot of people always asked me, was a cathartic and I said not only was it a cathartic experience I knew that when I was going to go down this road to write it I said no matter what I do I'm going to be real and raw about this I'm not going to sugarcoat it I'm not going to hide I'm not going to like bend the truth this is it warts and all so you see me at the rawest of my life and I always tell um you know my listeners I go you know you know that grizzled independent filmmaker that talks on this podcast every week <laughs> kind of like the guy who's been through some stuff this is my origin story like this, this is, is my trial by fire this is yeah. where this is where it started and there's many things yeah. that happened since that mm-hmm. kind of like added on to it but this is the big thing this is 
this is the moment where I was dropped in the, in the well and bats flew all around me. That's the <laughs> moments that I became who I am is, is, is in this story. And as I was writing it, I would have to skip chapters because I knew where I had to go emotionally. So I literally mm. would skip full chapters and not write and go to the next chapters because I didn't want to go back to Titanic. I didn't want to go back <laughs> to the darkest place. In, and I, and I had to do this for almost a year. Like to Ugh. go back to the worst time in your life, relive it in a raw, passionate way, to be honest on it. And there's there's actually a section where I found a journal of mine from back then. Just wow. like, and I actually just verbatim put it in the book. It was such wow. a brutal entry. Me just talking to myself about like literally looking yourself in the mirror. It's a brutal wow. piece of in there. So it, it is it's not all just, you know, and it's also funny as hell. And there's like, you can't believe that this is happening. And It's a misadventure. It's and- a misadventure. <laughs> Jimmy's doing what Jimmy does. And, and you're just like, I can't believe this. So there's, it's a lot of laugh. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Hopefully you'll be changed in a, in a way or so. But that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put something out there that I could hopefully help people with. So that's why I did it. That means a lot. I mean, it's funny because I, I just had a... Uh... I'm going to go on a little tangent, but I just had a really bad interview. Um, and it was one of those, like, there were a bunch of red flags. But he's standing right behind you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, right no. But it was, it was one of those, it was one of those like, opportunities, and it, it was sold really well, and it was sold like, oh, it's going to be your masterpiece. It's going to be great, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get there, and then you're, you're literally defending your life and, and your decisions and, and, and an industry that you're not even yet a part of. You know, like they're like, you know, defend women, you know? And I'm like, I, I don't know women filmmakers. I made one movie. Like, um, it's one of the, uh, when she was done, I said, um, she told me some of the things he asked, and he was being argumentative about women in film and everything and women in horror. And I'm like, these are the types of things you ask the Saska sisters who've been, who've been in the business with producers and like making million dollar films for 10 years. Now, this isn't something you make, you ask, these aren't the questions you ask somebody who's done two short films of her own Mm. and produced a couple of no budget features. So this was her trial by fire. And the last week she's just been bummed out. I've been bummed out. And it's like, I, and looking back, it's like you saw every, it was a rough hour, hour and a half, not a year of my life, an hour and a half of my life. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like like what I went through, but just a little different. It's just a little, just just like a sliver, a sliver action. Like you've got a blog post. You got like a really long blog. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not, but do, it's I'm so not belittling true. it. I'm not belittling no, it. No, no, just, you know I mean. no, no, no. I'm not saying like I didn't destroy me. I'm okay because luckily I have my girls and my girls can help me back up. Sure. But um, you, I really did. There were red flags all throughout where it was like, well, here you go. We started talking about the interview and I was like, he's like, well, that way I, I have time. I can look at your work. And I said, well, let me know if you need any links. And he never asked me for any links. And my film's not on the internet. <laughs> so how are we talking about my work if, my work isn't available, you know, and I just just kept looking past, looking past, looking past because it was, you know, an opportunity. It was like, oh, you know, I get your sounds name out there. Sounds familiar. <laughs> sounds very familiar. So it really, it really is easy. It doesn't even have to be a year of your life, but I think it's really relevant to filmmakers, you know, because you know there are thousands of events like that that can happen that are 
minorly devastating and at least upsetting. And then, you know, you do question yourself. So I think it's really great for you to kind of share your gigantic Titanic version of it. And I think the caveat (laughs) is it, which I'm sure is what you went through, which is uh, uh, something we wanted to discuss a little bit as well, is the fact that every that there's other people around this guy or what they work with that we know and we trust. Yeah. And he's just another like another writer on that website. Mm-hmm. But we know at least three other writers on that site and we know they're legit. We know they're on the level. Yeah. And if it was anybody else doing this interview, we'd have no problem. Like this is the one outlier of them. So it's kind of like by association, she gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's sure. like, oh, it's cool. You know, this guy's cool. This guy's cool. He's probably just busy. You know, she passed off a lot. And that's why I wanted to, oh, you'll we, talk we wanted yourself to get into, into it. Oh, no, no. You'll, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, you'll talk yourself into so much. Look, <laughs> yeah. so you had an interview. So imagine when I meet Jimmy. Which is what? Which is where I was going to. How did you meet this guy? Yeah, oh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I met him through a to. common friend, and I use friend a very See? loose term. I, um, and it was an opportunity. <laughs> and even then, I was very green when this happened. But uh, I mean, I was not a very worldly person. I had directed commercials and music videos and things like that, um, and all sorts of stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've been around the block a little bit on the production side, but worldly, not so much. I was pretty much as green as they came. Um, I knew though enough to go. Ah, this guy says he's got twenty million. Ah, blah 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 blah. But as yeah. I, but the thing with Jimmy was as 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 you start getting deeper in the web, you start like, oh well, it's a little bit step, another step here. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the shot. Okay, then this. Okay, now we're gonna shoot a trailer for the movie. Okay, now we're gonna do this and do this. And by the time you're you look around, you're in. That's yeah. how they. That's how they brought you in. And then that's how the mob works. And then so now you're in and now you can't get out. You're like, what am I going to do? And you're like, and you're, you know, you don't have the strength or the fortitude to leave the situation at that age uh, because you're just, you're a kid. And I had nobody guiding me. I know my parents were no use. You know, I didn't have any Mm -hmm. friends that were any better than I was. It was just a brutal um, experience. And then like you go out to dinner and we go to an expensive dinner with some big shot whatevers. And then right before we leave, Jimmy pulls me aside and goes, look, kid, I can't, you know, I'm not going to keep paying all these bills. This is your shot. And then I got to start paying the bills to make him look like a big shot. Wow. And, wow. and then, and then what are you going to say? Like yeah. you're there. Like, what are you going to say? I'm not going to walk away. And Jimmy's kind of strong arming me. So there yeah. was that, those kind of things. So that's where I almost went bankrupt during this whole process as well, because you start talking to yourself like, well, I mean, it's one more. It's just I'm, I'm a little closer. Yeah, I'm just a little, you know. And then almost there, almost there, almost yeah. there. I mean, if I could just eat a little bit more shit, just a little yeah. bit more, I'll yeah. get to my opportunity. At this at this point, it's becoming palatable. Let's just yeah. do this. Let's just yeah. like we're so. But then it wasn't just that. But then you get flown out to L.A. and you meet these movie stars, you meet uh-huh. these producers. You, so you're like, this has to be my shot. This has to be my mariachi. This has right. to be my it, reservoir yeah. dogs. I have to do this because I'm so and close. It's, it's almost like he's purposely putting those situations there to make you feel like this is this is something. Like he's purposely setting up, and that's what you do with it. That's what you do in a deal. You're like, oh, you know, you don't know if they're kind of sure here. How do we make? It? Let's get the guy a hooker. Let's get him some. Here's a, just here's a, little, a 200 a little, year old bottle something. of whiskey for you. Yeah, like a hundred something. dollar bottle of champagne. Let's bring is that it, down. But my champagnes were Oscar winners. Yes, you know exactly. that's it, it, and you know and, and and directors and editors that worked with Scorsese and uh, these people like just huge 
you know, legends mm-hmm. I was talking to. And it was, um, it, you just, you realize how much you, you're willing to give for that shot. And mm-hmm. that was because I didn't have a sense of who I was. I didn't have a sense of self. I was not self-aware at all about who I was or what I, I just had none. Like when mm-hmm. I say none, I had no idea who I was. So because yeah. I had no idea who I was and what I was, what I stood for, any of that kind of stuff, I was taken advantage of. And there's so many people that come to this town in L.A. to try to make it in this business, and they get just ripped apart by this business because they don't have a sense of self. They don't know what they're gonna, they're, what they're worth. Uh, all these kind of different things, and you've got to have sense of, you have to have self awareness. That's such a big, big thing. And not only in this business, but in life in general, you must be self-aware of who you are. And once you're self-aware, you have a, a tremendous strength and power in your life. Once you understand who you are and what you stand for, it's very difficult for people to take advantage of you. It still happens. Yeah. They're still really good people. And the universe will test you constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, I get tested all the time. Um, and it happens. Sometimes, oh. you know, we all do. But as you get a little older, you've been around the block a couple times, you start seeing things, you start seeing patterns and and you know, if Jimmy would show oh, yeah. up to if if a Jimmy would show up to me today, I would never in a million yeah. years go down that road. I say that now, but God knows how the picture would have been painted. You know? Somebody puts twenty million dollars in front of you, sometimes it's just like Well now at this point, you have that experience where you might actually be able to make it that opportunity because you know what you're doing at this point you know how to you know there's a i think there's a i think that you have a a good idea of where the bullshit lies i try to say i try and yeah (laughs) you know and you'd like okay well so when it comes down to well all right it's time for me to stop paying bills and now you go now that would be the point where you know, okay, now I take over and push this fucking guy out of the way and I go do things my way and make it work. You know, I think that I, th- I think after is this 15, 20, 10, 15 years later, maybe 20 years, yeah, almost 20 years. Later. Yeah. 20 years later. I would hope anyway, mm-hmm. that if something like that comes along, if you decide to go with it, you'd know how to make it work in your, in your favor. If you decided to stick with it. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't decide to stick with it because, you know, I've had opportunities thrown at me recently that I just said, you know what? That's just not me. I don't want to do it yeah. right now. I'm happy where I am. Okay. Uh, you know, like uh, the Duplass brothers uh, were offered a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And they famously turned it down because they just said, you know what? This is just not us, man. You know, we don't want to spend three years of our life and all this kind of stuff. Um you know, doing a Marvel movie, nothing against a Marvel movie. It's just not what we're doing right now. We'd yeah. rather do what we want to do. Yeah. And it becomes the next four years of your life. Yeah. Right. You know, and then also four years of your life for one movie that you won't have complete control of because there's just too much money involved. You just, yeah, th- that you're not that filmmaker. So that's yeah. called self-awareness. Like they are extremely self-aware of who they are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the same thing goes, you know, I try to be that way with myself. So when opportunities present themselves, I was just like, you know what? You know, like right now, the, I, I hope to make this into a movie one day. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm wait, I'm not going to go chase money for it. I'm not going to do that. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If someone shows up and wants to make the movie, I have the rights to it. Uh, and I'll say, look, I don't care if Martin Scorsese wants to direct this. It's not happening. It's me or nothing. That's going to be the, that's yeah. going to be the yeah. deal breaker. Like, 
there's nobody else who's going to be able to direct this movie but myself. Like there was nobody mm-hmm. else who could write this movie. Not because I'm the greatest director in the world, but it's this is I'm the only guy for this story. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is That's a just your story. story. Exactly. It's, and, and the thing is also there's a character who's a real person by the name of Boris. Now Boris is my cinematographer, one of my dearest friends in the world. And I met him 18 years ago. Now he's mm-hmm. a big time ASC cinematographer. And um, I actually interviewed him deep throat style for the book. Mm. So I actually have a video of him with his face blacked out and everything. We're going to put it out, we're gonna, we're gonna put it out online. We're going to change his voice and everything. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> but uh, the deal is, if anybody wants to make this movie, it's going to be me and Boris. Boris will be the mm. DP. He's more than enough credits and credentials to do it. Yeah. So do okay. I. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to make this movie. And then I'm going to wait for the moment where I'm shooting a scene with me directing me and Boris looking at himself as Sasha mm-hmm. Baron Corrin because he wants Sasha Baron Corrin to play himself mm. um, <laughs> and have them in a scene and I'm going to go, oh my God, how meta will the, can the, he cannot <laughs> get any more meta. I go, when that moment happens, I think we will break the space-time continuum. I think it will be completely shattered. <laughs> and I also... Well, I, I also well, in that case, I hope you never make the movie because we're not done making shit yet. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but I also, I also am aware that I make fun of Jimmy in the book for being an egomaniacal maniac for trying to make a movie about his life. But then yeah. I, it's not, it's not, um, uh, it's, not, it's not lost it's on not you lost that on you're me also. <laughs> that now, not only am I going to try to make a movie about my life, but I'm also going to try to produce, write, and, and direct the movie direct about it, my yeah. side. I don't think in the history of cinema that I know of has a director directed his own life story in a movie. Like, I've never heard of that. I might be wrong, but I've That's never. That's some Neil Breen shit. That is some weird, <laughs> deep, kind of crazy stuff. I mean, directors have directed themselves, but never directed their own story. Tommy Wiseau tried. Mm-hmm. No, but, Wiseau, but Tommy... But he wanted to do the... Um, disaster Artist. He wanted to direct the Disaster Artist, and they were like, okay, okay hang on a minute. Okay, okay uh, Tommy, you've directed the worst movie of all time. We're not going to let you direct the movie about the making of the worst movie of all time. So we're going to let Jimmy Franco take this one over. <laughs> no, it's funny that what I thought of was Kid Notorious, the cartoon. But that's a cartoon. And he wasn't a director, he was a producer. Right, but never someone who, look, I wrote the story and I'm going to be the director yeah. and producer yeah. of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if that ever existed. And, yeah. I, and again, it's not lost on me. And again, no. I, I could care less <laughs> about, you know, being famous or, or any of that it's ego trip shit. I want the story to get out there to help people. That mm-hmm. is why I wrote the story. That's why I would want to make the movie, to get this story out there in the world. One thing I didn't say is when I wrote this, a lot of people asked me if it was cathartic, and it was cathartic. But the one thing that I found so amazing was I felt the weight lifted off of me when I was finished writing it, but I didn't mm-hmm. know I was carrying the weight. And mm-hmm. that was such a deep thing for me, and it's such a like a revelation because I was like, it wasn't like I was sitting around Oh, poor me for 20 years. Like I didn't, Mm. that wasn't, I'd passed that, but it was still inside and I would not let go of it. Apparently. Because once I, once I, that deep therapy repressed memory where it's like suddenly, wait a minute, what do you mean? My father did what to me? Oh my God. I forgot. Yeah. Like you blocked it It out completely completely blocked out. (laughs) And I talk about it every once in a while, but anytime I talk about it, I was very cagey about it. It was never as open as I am now. It's very, very, yeah. Very surface kind of shallow conversation. It just is like, oh, so I feel lighter. I feel it's just a different energy. And 
I said to myself, like, if I'm carrying around this kind of stuff, I can only imagine what other people are carrying. You know, because mm. I had no idea that this was a thing in my life. Now, until I now see, I'm curious. Was it because of you? Because, like, you know, my very small sliver of a situation is that I have an anger at myself, you know, because it was like I, I just led down this path and I just look past things and look past things and look past things. And then, you know, and then I'm questioning all of my behaviors and my reactions. So it's curious. Is it it, once you get beyond the why me kind of feeling like, do you have some sort of that hidden anger at yourself that you've been beating yourself up? So one of the biggest mistakes that you can make, um, and I don't know how much older I am of you or not, but the one of the biggest mistakes I've made as a filmmaker is, and as a human being is that little voice who just rips you apart, that you're unkind yeah. to yourself about your work, mm-hmm. about who you are as a person, about many other things that you go through in life. I've discovered in my elder years that <laughs> um, that you can't do that, that you need yeah. to forgive yourself, you need to love yourself, and it's more important to do that than anything else that you do in life. Because if you're angry at yourself for mistakes you made, that's just stupid. And I don't mean yeah. that in a negative <laughs> or a bad way. I'm not no. trying to belittle you, but I'm saying it's not—it's not smart in your own way. Like, why would you be angry about something you didn't have any real control over? Control it was—it was—it's yeah. like me—it's like me stepping up to the ba- uh, to base in in uh, on in the World Series to go and, and pitch against the Yankees. Like, I'm not, and I, and I swing and I strike out. Yeah. Like, that's not. My fault. (laughs) It's not what I've done all my life. (laughs) Why would I be angry at myself because of it? That's the logic. Like you walked into a situation that you were not prepared for. You had not gone through that situation before. So now Mm -hmm. you've learned. You need to take that as a lesson and move on and not allow it to. Because we as human beings have this wonderful experiential thing that we can go back. Unlike any other animal on the planet. We can go back to that time that we listened or we were hurt when we were kids yeah. about your mom beating you or called you mm-hmm. an idiot, and we can relive it. And Literally. your body yes. does not know that it did not happen just now. So we continuously beat ourselves up. And I was like, I was watching, I'm, I'm into neuroscience right now. I've been reading a lot of neuroscience. Oh, oh. Books, so I've been, <laughs> all the way. I've been, I'm I've, with been, it. I've been going deep into the neuroscience world. But like, it's like a gazelle. All right. So let, look at a gazelle. The gazelle is eating his, yeah, I'm eating, I'm eating, tiger, lion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Flight, re- flight, or, uh, flight response, all that adrenaline goes in. You run, you escape. 15 minutes later, he's eating again. Mm-hmm. Once the danger is gone, he's eating yeah. again. It's over. Gone. It's done. He will not relive that again in his life. We will relive that experience again <laughs> and again yeah. and again and again. And we just completely abuse ourselves. And what happens when we do that? We get sick. We get energy depletions. It affects our work. It affects our mood Mm -hmm. and all these kind of things that keep happening to us. So why would you allow that to give – you shouldn't give it power. you know. And I know this is a small sliver of what I went through. (laughs) But it's still a big thing in your life and especially if it's it's fresh. And if you don't forgive Mm -hmm. yourself now, you're going to have to deal with this five years from now, ten years from now. And it also could start – a chain reaction on a lot of other things because if you can't forgive yourself for this, all these other things that might come down the line, 
will cause more problems. I know we've gone completely off the rails in this interview. I apologize. <laughs> I'm, with it. I, I'm with it. I'm like, I get I, my it's gears not a filmmaking podcast it's, anymore, but it's, hey, it's, but it, it really is because it's like a lot of the conversations that I've been having a lot, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's really interesting. I'm in a lot of these groups now about filmmakers and a lot of them, they're starting to, a lot of the female yeah. groups, um, they're very open about their emotions. They're very, very. open about yeah. the internal struggle as an artist because we're, we're a lot more used to talking about our of emotions course. and our feelings. And, yes. Um, you know, I think that's part of why, you know, we do what we do, why you do what you do because um, we're, 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 educators we're, we're we're sharers we're not gonna you know hide behind that hollywood dream we're really talking about what it is to make art i mean listen to your name what of, you of create your out there your name of the yeah. podcast filmmaking sucks filmmaking sucks i mean seriously <laughs> but it's absolutely true like it, your story touched me because it was like i'm in this interview and i know that i was brought on to be something that i'm not oh no it was and, it was it was it was a it was a it's a um uh, a kill job. I mean, they just they brought yeah. you on as a as a as a line. You're basically the goat in Jurassic Park for the T Rex. That's yeah. what they brought you in for, basically. No, it sounds like he brought he brought me in to, to to be a fight, and I'm not a fighter. I'm a positive person. I rather keep it light, and 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 because, like you said, I know who I am, and I know who myself. I had what I could control of it was who and how I reacted, you know. And I was true to myself, and I think that's really like. That is such an important lesson. Like when you are going out into the world and creating things and getting involved with all different types of people. And egos. It's so true. And egos. <laughs> Having that inner compass. You have to is have It's so important. It's, it's the only so thing important. You have. It's, look, yeah. I've, I've been doing this for 25 years. You know, I've been over mm -hmm. 25 years now. I've been struggling. I was, I've been in the yeah. indie film hustle for 25 <laughs> years. All right, basically. <laughs> Um, if I may stay on brand. Um, yeah. and, and I've noticed the difference between, you know, all the experiences I had prior uh, to all the way to this point where I am now. And I'm still learning and I will continue to learn till the day I die. Um, but once you feel you know who you are and you're comfortable in your own skin, man, do things change. Like, massively yeah. change <laughs> yeah. like and this happens with age like 20 year olds generally aren't like this like this no. takes time mm. this takes time to learn and and that's why i think a lot of people like listening to my podcast because i'm i'm pretty raw and i'm pretty honest about what i i say you guys have been listening for a while mm -hmm. so you you yeah. know like i'm i'm pretty like in your face about it because no one talks to people like that especially mm -hmm. in our business everyone's like you know it's the, you know it's not your dreams and yeah. i'm like i'm all about following your dreams but don't be an idiot about it and this is yeah, why yeah. you shouldn't be and there's so many more things that are not being taught or you don't learn about uh because you're you're living in the fantasy world and, and the sizzle of this business and things like what you just went through and the things mm -hmm. that I went through aren't yeah. really spoken a lot about. So that's, mm -hmm. again, why I wanted the book to be released. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, again, you need to forgive yourself about yeah. something that you really didn't have any control over, man. It's like, you know, like, oh, I, I failed at building a house, but you've never picked up a hammer. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. You've, <laughs> learned, you've got to just take that in. And there's going to be people that are going to come at you left and right there's going to be egos and i know it's i literally just had this amazing interview with um jen mcgowan who's a female director and it's called the state of indie film for women directors it's on my playlist for the week <laughs> it is an amazing interview she's raw because i when i talked to her i'm like 
do you want to go here? And she's like, oh yeah, let's do this. And she was wonderful. And I wanted to kind of put a spotlight on it because as a female director, it is 10 times as tough as it is for a Mm -hmm. a guy director. No, there's no question. Just like I'm watching, uh, you you guys watch the, the rock show Titans. Mm-hmm. It's on yeah. NBC. It's like it's kind of like American Gladiators, but like for you know, yeah, it's different. It's cool now. Yeah, but it's like cool and stuff. But Freaking Gladiators was but awesome. there's the like, rock. It's the rock. It's the rock. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because there's men and there's women, and they both are doing the same obstacles, the same challenges. And That's there was crazy. one challenge that is where you've got a uh, with a sledgehammer chisel away at a 350 pound. <laughs> Uh, ball okay <laughs> take the cement off of it so it gets light enough that you can lift it up and lock it up in the air and the dudes were having problems with it so they put their two strongest women up there and you see these and I'm looking at it and I'm like they have to work and I just said to my wife yeah. like they have to work how much harder they have times to work because they just don't have the, I mean, they, and they are the, they, they're the best shape I mean they, they're just, just, just mm-hmm. diesel women but they, yeah. but it's just not the same as like the diesel guys. It's just yeah. physiolog- physiologically, they're just not the same, you know. And no. and by the way, those women that I was talking about all are in much better shape than I am. So um, <laughs> let's just throw that out. They could probably bench more than I can. So let's just keep that out. They can bench you. So just, so just, just to keep it, just to keep that yes. where it is. A hundred percent. But it, but it is, it is true. And in this business, it is getting better, and there is a slight movement and we actually talk about mm-hmm. that in the episode that like there's a slight movement but we're like they're like we're hoping for five percent i'm like are you mm-hmm. kidding me this is half the population yeah. you know yeah. like please but at least it's something you know it there is there yeah. is some sort of acknowledgement there is some, some sort people of are aware of it, it now yeah they're working toward it no matter how slow look you're gonna have to deal with it i've dealt with it in my career as a latino man um you know from from other angles you're going to deal with it as a woman um it's just the way it is it's just the the world it is and you can't control the world all you can do is how you control is how you react to that world that's the yeah. only thing you have control of is yourself there's nothing else in this world you have control of it's just you so if you can control yourself your thoughts your uh, a way you approach things the way you deal with things you're in much better shape than most people on this planet I think it's not worth your time. You've got much no. bigger fish to. F- no, no, no. I, but I think that that's what you said. It's all about controlling yourself, and it really is. It really is saying that this you is who I am. You're not going to change me. Done me wrong in this business in the yeah. last 25 years. Do you know how many people who were friends, <clears throat> not even people who were not friends, <laughs> friends, quote unquote, who did me yeah. wrong? The dude that got me mixed up in this damn book <laughs> was in it. You know. Um, he was in it just for himself and he was using me to get a leg up and then yeah. convinced me to stay in and, 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 and he was, he was the worst among many other people. You know, there's a lot of times you, you hold res- resentment and all this kind of stuff. When you Which do is, that, you're just hurting yourself. Yeah. You're just hurting yourself. There's no reason for it. That's when the sicknesses come. That's when illnesses and, and, and all this other kind of craziness comes into your life. Just let it go. You got much mm-hmm. better things to do. Always, always ask this one question when the situations like this present themselves. And that's for anybody listening or for anyone still listening. Um, <laughs> is if something is bothering you, if there's a situation in front of you or you, you've got a problem with a person, ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this in 10 years? And if it's still hard, like, how am I going to feel about this when I'm about to die? 
mm-hmm. is it going to matter yeah. one single bit? No. And that's only you only learn things like that after you experience life a little bit. I'm yeah. I'm still in my four, early 40s. I have not experienced all of life by any stretch, but I've been around a block a couple times and I've realized that much. Does it matter in 10 years? Does it matter in five years? Does it matter in six months? Why give them energy now? Because that's all you're doing is giving away your own energy. So yeah. we've, um, I hope this is a whole, this has become a holistic um, <laughs> episode. I'm all about it. I could talk it about this stuff for hours. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> No, but I think that I think that's where it, I mean, you know, having somebody like you who is, you know, in the position that you are, that you do have the reach that you do. I think it's it, it is a really important thing that we we do be more honest. I think, mm-hmm. you know, this generation of filmmakers, like we've said all throughout this episode, the '90s, when you made movies in the '90s, is not the same as you make it in the '80s or the '70s. You know, and it's sort of like. How do you make yourself stand out? Number one, you're tr- completely true to yourself and you're, you're yourself all the time, you know? And then I think it's also like, you know, we have the added pressure of having to be on brand, on point. Yeah. Understanding what a brand is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's a lot because, of pressure. Because your film is not going to sell itself on the fact no. that it's a film anymore. No. No. Now you're selling so yourself now, and now your you film. you need everything to go with it. Yeah. Now, look, the rules have changed and they will continue to change and they will continue yep. to change all the time. In the 70s, they made a movie some way. In the 80s, there was a certain certain way to get in. Like in the 80s, to be a horror director, wasn't that hard. You made mm-hmm. a horror movie, you're pretty much in. You sold a movie. Yeah. Then, you know, there was there's windows of opportunities that open and close in our industry and in all industries, but just specifically how you get in like that crop of film directors that came in in the early nineties from Soderbergh all mm-hmm. the way to like link letter and, and, and Lee and, and Singleton and Rodriguez and Tarantino. There was that crop of those direct because that was the moment in time. If most of those guys show up today, they're not going to see the light of day. Do you think Mariachi would get a, even a second look? Even, Do you think Clerks? And even Soderbergh is Soderbergh is now making a name for himself again by shooting on an iPhone. Because Soderbergh is my spirit animal. Mm. He is, <laughs> Soderbergh is my spirit animal. Yeah. I've said that publicly. I'll continue to say Steven Soderbergh is my spirit animal. He mm. is a multi-Oscar winning director. Who's made billions of dollars and he could do whatever the heck he wants and he's pushing Mm -hmm. the envelope as an artist. He's using his resources to tell the stories he wants to tell. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care what other people think. He's made Mm -hmm. movies that I've started to watch. I'm like, Steve, I'm sorry. I can't go with you on this. It's just yeah. not my flavor. But you know what? He doesn't care. He keeps yeah. pushing yeah. the envelope. He keeps like, you know he's what? Steven Soderbergh. He's Steven yeah. Soderbergh. He doesn't care. And I remember when I, I heard stories about him on the back lot where he would drive up in like a beat up like old Prius. <laughs> like that's his car. He's a multimillionaire. But yet yeah. he's driving an old beat up Prius, you know, because he doesn't care. He's not trying to impress anyone. And, and the resources and the money, money can go, go elsewhere. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He's just like, you know, he can work with the biggest cameras in the world. But he decides now to shoot iPhones. Why? Because that's the thing he wants to do right now. When Red mm-hmm. came out, he was the first guy to jump on. And he shot first features on Red. Mm-hmm. He was the one the guy said, you know what? Digital's the way. I'm going digital. And now he's going with the iPhone. God bless him, man. He is my spirit animal. There's no question about it. I, I absolutely love what he does and, and how he does it. No question about it. God bless so who's your spirit animal, Lynn? I'm still looking for him. 
Pink is my spirit animal. I don't know. <laughs> pink, you know what? She's a close second. I'll tell you that. I love pink. Yeah. She's love pink. amazing. And you know what? I actually started listening. Like I did like this like top hits thing of hers. Mm-hmm. She's got like 30 hits. Like yeah. 30 yeah. songs that we all know and we all can mm-hmm. jam to. She's, yeah. and you she's don't been, realize it. She's huge. She's, yeah. And she, she sings while flying through the fucking air. No, no, air. she's amazing. She's, like, oh. she's, she's my spirit woman animal. There's no question <laughs> yeah. about it. She's fantastic. <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she's an inspiration without question. I think we're good. I think we're good. It's an hour and fifty minutes we're, in, but I could keep talking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we could. We can. We can do well, this four hours without batting an eye. Seriously, I, I, like, I have this really interesting. Like, you know, maybe not tonight, but one time I'd love to have you back on because I think into the mic, into the mic. Okay, I'm kind of like off the air talking right yeah, now. Yeah, you're just talking. Um, we can hear you. <laughs> yeah, no. But I think one of the interesting things that I'm starting now as a filmmaker who's kind of now getting more exposure, and this is my second film. It's interesting in that, like. I think this generation of filmmakers is we have the added pressure of social media. We're like, we're on 24 seven, you know? So when you talk about Soderbergh or you talk about, you know, any of these actors that are literally having, you know, the ghostbusters, they chased her off of all the social media, you know, star Wars, the same thing happened. And it's like, there's this extra added pressure where you really need to know yourself. Well, look, I mean, if if you, if you look at every generation has their thing. So like in the studio Mm. system back in the thirties and forties and fifties, Actors could do whatever the hell they wanted, and no one would find out because everyone yeah. kept quiet. Yeah. And you know, and, 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 and guys, off. and guys could be gay, and and and, and yeah. things horrible things because, could happen behind because the scenes. you were hired by the studio itself. You're going to make five movies on Monday. They're going to tell you what movie you're going to shoot. Right, but that was that it. moment. There but was that no, was that moment in yeah. time. And now actors, exactly. and then in the seventies no and eighties, had to deal with paparazzi for the first time. And that yeah. that whole thing started coming out. And look, every generation has to deal with something, man. You know, now mm-hmm. yeah. this generation, like in the '90s, didn't really have to deal with a tremendous amount of competition no. because it still mm-hmm. cost a lot of money to make movies. But as the yeah. technology got cheaper in the late '90s and early 2000s, then all of a sudden, you've not not dealing with 500 submissions to Sundance. You're dealing with 15,000 submissions to Sundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you've got to up your game and now you have to understand the craft more. Now you have to understand not only that, but marketing and branding and all the other things, social media marketing and and being an entrepreneur. Like I, I always tell filmmakers, I'm like, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're dead. You will yeah. not be able to make it as an independent filmmaker if you don't understand marketing, social media, branding, um, all of those different topics that you need to understand in this world because if you don't, guys like me will eat your lunch mm-hmm. because it's just, I mean, and it's not, if it's not me, it's someone else who understands yeah. it and I've interviewed these guys. I've interviewed guys and girls who've done this and they understand these other things and they're successful. You know, the, the, the guys who make two or three million dollars on a movie self-distributing it. You know, that's a very yeah. smart, specific kind of filmmaker mm-hmm. and now and you know the, as opposed to the filmmaker who i've also talked to they say oh like, what's your distribution uh model oh it's um i'm gonna get in sundance i'm like well no that's not a that's not a plan that's a dream that's that called a, dream. a lottery ticket what's the other thing but i spent five hundred thousand of my mom's money and she's there that's her that's her house i'm like no stars no and what is it drama oh good luck yeah that's oh. um that's gonna be a rough. That's gonna be a rough one. Five hundred thousand dollars for a drama, and you don't have any names in it. Where did your money go? Right. Oh, you shot and, it in your mom's house, didn't you? You shot, yeah. shot it in your mom's house, and it was shot on a DSLR because I like the look. You know. You know? <laughs> or 
or you or like you say, you spent five hundred thousand dollars on it because we bought two red cameras. I have no idea and, how to use it. Uh, yeah, we we didn't know how to use it. Yeah, we just bought all this damn equipment because we, we got we got two red cameras and you know we we got five thousand dollars in sound devices and and my friend's gonna run the boom for us. This is the one I always love. It's like, oh well, Steven Spielberg or. Whatever big director uses the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> no, whatever big director uses the Alexa. So if I get the Alexa, it's gonna be the same because it's in the camera. The camera's what makes these movies so good. It's not me or them. It's just the camera. This is the mentality they go to. So they think because they shoot on the same gear as they do that they're gonna get the same result. No, nope. no. Nope. It's just it's like I have a paintbrush too. I'm not the These DPs use that gear because it is the best, but they are the best as well. They use the gear because it's not going to fail on them because it's it's forward this, compatible. The studio has a deal with because Alexa already exactly, in place. That's the other thing. <laughs> studio has a deal with Panavision that you're going to use fucking Panavision cameras in their films. I can get <laughs> I, I I can get a brush and a canvas and some paint, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to paint the Mona Lisa. I've, I've, I said that, what did I say yeah. that exactly? I said the Mona Lisa was made on a canvas, on a canvas with some paints okay. and a brush. It was done Go with a brush, it. canvas, and paint. You know? And that's all it took to make the Mona Lisa. So, why, mm -hmm. if I have a paintbrush, ignore, ignore the decades and decades of work and the raw talent that went into it. Did you hear that Picasso story where Picasso was at a, at a, uh, a restaurant and he was, yes, he was doodling mm -hmm. on a napkin. <laughs> And he's about, he's like, he's about to throw it away. And this woman was like, oh, can, can I have that? And he's like, oh, it's $700,000. And yeah. she's like, but you were about to throw it away. It's just on a napkin. He's like, it took you 10 seconds to, 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 to draw that. And he's like, no, uh -huh. it didn't take me 10 seconds to draw. It took me 40 fucking years to yeah. draw yeah. that because yeah, I yeah, learned yeah. my skills. And just because I, I'm able to execute it in 10 seconds doesn't mean it's less worth anything less. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was like yeah. such a valuable lesson. Such oh, I love a valuable lesson. Yeah. You know, it's so, so true. It's so, so true. What was it? It was, um, I think it was Da Vinci. I think it was Da Vinci or, or, or Le uh, it was either Leonardo or someone like that where they went to, they went to a king and he was, um, they wanted to see his worth as an artist. Right. And he took the brush and he walked up to the wall and he drew a perfect circle. Yeah, I heard about that shot. story. Yeah, I heard yeah. that story. Yeah. It's a perfect it's circle. A it's a That's it. Yeah. He drew a circle and he was hired. Yeah. But it was a perfect circle. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a great band, by the way. <laughs> but I think I think the other thing that kills me when Keep I hear when I when I hear from you. I know. I just have to say one more thing though. <laughs> the filmmakers who were like, Yeah, I made a five hundred thousand dollar, you know, feature film. Wait, what do you mean I should have left money for for, for marketing and post-production? Oh, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. I've been in post-production for all my, almost all my career. Many times they show up to me and they're like, hey, you know, I've got $5,000 to do all the editing color of VFX. And, uh, and then when they talk about VFX, they're like, did you see that scene in Avengers? I'm like, stop right there. Just stop. Sure. <laughs> I don't want nothing in the Avengers can you afford. Nothing. Not even no, the no, pebble no. that Thanos kicks. No. You can't afford that. The computer, yeah. The computer's mouse is five thousand dollars. All right, it's just, <laughs> this is a precision mouse that's got a thousand <laughs> DPI to it. Okay, that's one of the reasons why I did it on the corner of Eagle and Desire. Honestly, is because I wanted to shine a light on on these kind of stories. Is because it's yeah. ridiculous. We've all done it at one point in our lives. We've all done mm -hmm. stupid shit, and I just wanted to make fun of it and kind of like you know, look, it's all good. It's a, it's like a big mm -hmm. hug, but like a little ribbing along yeah. the yeah. way so that's that's why i did that movie <laughs>
Well, th- thank you for helping me bring that full circle. Um, I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to wrap. I'm trying to wrap it. Up. Yeah. I'm trying to bring <laughs> I'm it together. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring Turn it together. For, I'm trying to help you. Help me. Help you. Help you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you know what you're doing. Give 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 your uh, your send off spiel. Tell all us right, about all of it and where to find it. So if uh, the book is on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, everywhere, any fine bookstores where where books are sold. It um, it is at um, it's called Shooting for the Mob. You can go to shootingforthemob.com or you can just go indiefilmhustle.com forward slash mob and it'll take you straight to Amazon. Uh, and you could pre-order there. It comes out March eighth at this moment. We might push it again a little bit because there's been a lot of pre-orders and my publisher is. Uh, well, he's 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 hustling. He's hustling. He's hustling. <laughs> Trying to keep up with demand. All let's right. see. Let's see what that is. Um, if you want to check me out, all my stuff is at indiefilmhustle.com. I have uh, two podcasts there: the Indie Film Hustle podcast, which is now on episode three hundred and two. Uh, wow. We just got on three hundred and two, which is insane. And then we have a second podcast called the Bulletproof Screenplay Podcast, which is all about screenwriting and the and the storytelling mm-hmm. process. And of course, IndieFilmHustle.tv, which is IndieFilmHustle.tv, uh, if you want to go there and sign up for that. And uh, I'm on social media everywhere uh, at IndieFilmHustle, except for Instagram, which is iFilmHustle. And that's pretty much everything. And I also do consulting. Okay. I also do uh, speaking and other things like that. So if you guys need any help, I'm available for that as well. You're pretty good at therapy sessions as well. Yeah. I do therapy now. Obviously, I'm doing therapy now. I do therapy. <laughs> and and a quick question, because I should have asked earlier: Do you still have the um, that other one you used to, the other uh, um, subscription you had? Oh, uh, um, the, the, uh, the syndicate. Yeah, the the IFH Master Circle. The syndicate. Yes. Yeah, yes, the syndicate. The, the, the Master syndicate. Circle. That was my first membership site, but that was okay. just like a straight up membership site. I didn't have any. Movies yeah, or that's like what. That. that is still alive. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't feed it. Um, every once in a while, somebody because there's other people who who are on it still. I've told them stop, but they want to mm-hmm. keep staying on it for whatever reason. So I leave them on it. Uh, but I told them like, look, here's a coupon for IFH TV. It's got pretty much almost everything that's on there. But that's what I was going to ask. Are you porting everything over to that? Most as well? of it, not all of it, but okay. most of it. Um, there's still stuff mm-hmm. there that I don't have the rights to. That masterclass stuff. Yeah, yeah, that kind of has yeah. to live there. But gotcha. uh, but yeah, that's still around, and that's um, if you go to the indiefilmsyndicate.com, it'll take you there. Uh, but it's also on the on um, if you type up IFH Master Circle, which is kind of like this thing, it's in, in there as well. But yeah, that's um, that's still a, that's still a thing. But thank you for bringing that up. I for, I, for, yeah. I, I forgot. Uh, we I we were subscribed to it for for a while too, and then oh, it just thank came you. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really great, but it got to a point I'm like, all right, I've watched a whole bunch of this stuff. It's really great information. And I just, you know, to be honest, it was like, what's right, next? I'm not watching it. I'm not watching. Exactly. I'm not watching it as often as I was, but I'm still paying for it. So you got about six months of like <laughs> just free. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. So send, send over that. Uh, send over that. Are you on? Are you guys? On, are you guys on IFH TV yet? No, no, no. no, no, yet. no. There's a whole no, yeah. horror section. On there, like oh. an entire horror section. I've got the making of uh, Pet Cemetery on there. I've got the, um, the. Is that the untold, unearthed yeah. and untold one? Yeah. <gasps> oh, I loved that. That oh, I, I, I got. The, so I got good. that Blu-ray off the uh, uh, the Kickstarter or whatever. Yeah. It was. So I got excellent. I've got that documentary on there, and then was it Danny? Dra- is it Danny Draven? Is that the guy? Yeah. He's, yeah, Danny Draven, the director. He does yeah. a lot of horror movies. Yep. Uh-huh. His entire series of Masters of Terror are on there. So I have oh, cool. all of that stuff on there. And uh, there's a bunch of other horror stuff I have on there. So uh, awesome. just on a horror making of stuff, I try to keep 
I try to keep it in there as much as I can. But yeah. Well, we thank you for that. Yeah. Well, he's a genre guy. He's got to keep it. I, I lo- look. I, as, 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 as as you know, people watch my like they watch this is Meg and they don't understand that I've been shooting genre way before I shot <laughs> that stuff. And I still love my genre movies. And it's there's always a place in my heart for never goes away. It's the I'm an '80s kid, man. I'm an '80s kid. I worked in a video store in the '80s. Like, come on, I can't. I got it. Yeah. I love genres, you know. So what is it? Yeah. The, the, that movie. I always bust out these two movies from the 80s that people are like what's the most obscure thing you can think of and i go or oh, sorority babes in the slime rama bolarama oh, oh yes so good did you see um um joe bob briggs just did a, a whole thing with that on shutter it was amazing yeah. joe it was bob amazing. Briggs episode was yeah great. and uh-huh. um and assault of the killer bimbos which is not very pc uh-huh. nowadays but i remember <laughs> the pay- there was like three beautiful girls <laughs> Like airplanes flying in the sky. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing the movie, but I remember that box so clearly. I'm like, what is going I remember that. I remember the box art. I, I don't right? remember the movie. I remember the box art, though. I when still you said remember. The flying, yep, I remember the box art. There's just, there's that time, like yeah. the exterminator instead of you the terminator. Do anything. Oh. All that time with the, the box art was so beautiful. And I remember, mm-hmm. there's a section of like from 87 to like 93. I will go toe to toe with anybody in trivia on movies in that time period. Nice. Like um, I've pretty much yep. watched all of it, and I remember all the boxes in my head as I go through wow. my video store in my mind. But that's that's, that's, the, that's my sweet spot, eighty-seven and ninety-three, and then I'll start picking some stuff up afterwards. But that man, I'm pretty solid. I'll I'll, mm. I'll bust out some stuff <laughs> during that time. <laughs> Faces of death. I mean. Come on, Faces of Death. All the Faces of Death <laughs> and oh, the Mondo Kane films. Oh man, what was that one? It's yeah. Alive. Mondo, it's a. I just yeah. got the trilogy box set. <laughs> of course you did. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have the box? Oh, come set? on. Why wouldn't you have the box? <laughs> just bought it. Like I just, I bought it and put it under the Christmas tree. You know, <laughs> you alone are killing the planet, sir. You alone are killing the planet yes. by purchasing all of this. I'm just saying. Send yes. it this way. Send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all right, that's. Thank you. Thanks. That's going to do it for us this week on filmmaking sucks. So I'm going to I'm going to roll this up before the dog starts barking because somebody rang the bell downstairs. Apparently, it's been an epic, it's been an epic episode. It's been almost two hours now. So it has been. is this a record or are we still you you're still well within? Uh, uh, we we just did one uh, very recently with one of our friends, a filmmaker from the UK, and he happened to be in New York. Oh, cool! And so I had so he came by for, he came by and we did and, and that episode went out last week, and that was about two hours five minutes. Yeah. So you know? if we if we so if we wait for another if we just keep <laughs> we wait for like yeah, two yeah. minutes, I think I might have the yeah. record. I just <laughs> let me think. Have, has anything else happened that I can talk about? No. no Is there no. anything tragic that you'd like to talk about? It's, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? It's, <laughs> the kind that falls over because it's over. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you for having me back. And anytime like you it. want to have me back, I'll be more than happy to. Yeah. Uh, check out JK at No Film Festival. No Film Festival left no film unturned. unturned. Oh, God, I gotta rem- I gotta I gotta like remember that. Yeah. For all of your genre festival needs, he's mm-hmm. going to talk to everyone you need to know if you make genre film, and Jay does not 
let up. He's Jay is becoming the, the 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 horror film festival version of Alex Ferrari over here. He goes everywhere. <laughs> he's gonna be at Horror Hound. He's gonna be at Fantasia. Buff. Uh, uh, um. He's gonna be at Boston Underground. He's gonna he'll be at Fantastic Fest when that one happens. Yep. He'll be at Nightmares. He will be at every big genre fest that you can think of. He will make it there, um, and he will have all the coverage for you. Uh, including an interview with you. Yes. Yes, he's got interviews with you up there for very recently. Yes. So check that out and uh, subscribe to us at our uh, at our website. I don't know where you're listening, but you should be subscribed already. So I'm just going to nix that. Great. That's it, everybody. Get out there and make your films. Good luck and good night. Good night.